0: It, curses. Breaking curses. Breaking
1: curses. Breaking curses. My generation ain't This is John Barnett. And this is Terrence J. Welcome to Generational Curse. Terrence, how was your morning?
0: <laughs> My morning,
1: <laughs> <laughs> praise the
0: Lord, I'm, I'm alive and well. I, I just say that. But it, it's been one crazy morning, man. One crazy morning. Oh, yeah? so, hit, hit some ice, gravel, slid off the road. Brother.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I w- we'll throw these up on the video, actually, but uh, folks, we're going to let you see how my dog tore up the equipment room and everything was on the floor. Mm. And uh, I think all this happened at the same time. Right. Because the minute I heard the crash in my basement, mm-hmm. you had called me about your crash. Yes. <laughs> And we know <laughs> that there's a topic, there's a subject, and the reason why all this is happening is because this information needs to get out, and mm-hmm. so we're going to make sure we determine to go forward to to get this podcast out. So we've got a special guest we'll introduce in a little bit,
2: mm-hmm.
1: but um, you want to send some shout outs to our listeners. Yes, get some shout
0: outs to our listeners. Let me pull this up real quick. Um, but man, it's, it's It's been a crazy, (laughs) crazy morning. Unbelievable.
1: And this is our second season, so I appreciate everybody chipping in, actually donating, uh, helping us out, giving us critiques on season one. That was a a test and a trial in itself, a, a very good learning experience. So we're looking forward to moving forward in season two. Mm-hmm. And we want to give a shout out to those who are a local in Indiana who's been listening to us faithfully. But well, we got some folks around the world that uh, Terrence is going to throw some shout outs to. Starting off with the countries here. You
0: know, we got a new one. Oh, really? Yeah, we got a new one. New listener in Jamaica. Jamaica, all right. Jamaica. Appreciate you. Uh, always Indianapolis. Give a shout-out to Viva Las Vegas, Carmel, Indiana, uh, Chattanooga, Tennessee, mm-hmm. Bloomington, Indiana, St. Louis, and our number one listener, Clifton, New Jersey. And Jay. Yes. We love Clifton. Loving Clifton. But let's get right into it, John. I'm, I'm so anxious.
1: <laughs> you got a story to tell.
0: Yeah. And, and so does our... Uh, our guests. You want to uh, introduce our guest? You want to read his bio.
1: Yeah, uh, let's. Uh, we're gonna tell you who we have coming on because he's got a powerful story. We we've got we've all got a story, but Andre Battles is going to give his testimony. That's right. of uh, of how life has been up and down for him, and ultimately how God has brought him through. Mm-hmm. He was born. 16th of January, the year 1983, and in 39 years of life, he has faced much, living in foreign countries and everywhere in America that one could imagine to battling with diabetes since 1997. is still a young man, and he's battling with diabetes. Wow. At the age of 18, Andre had a dream. In that dream, he stood on a pulpit in a huge football stadium and delivered a message to thousands within the crowd. While abusing his body with cocaine, crack, marijuana, and numerous sex partners, that dream kept his spirit alive. God has humbled Andre. He lost his left leg in 2017, and two years later, his wife decided that she had enough. Mm. He is now a dialysis patient waiting on a kidney, but he has never, this is his own words, folks, been so blessed in his life. With all the mistakes, after all the sorrow, pain, and loss, Andre has gotten to know his Savior personally and anxiously awaits to share his story with you. Andre Battles, how are you?
3: Andre? Hey, guys, I'm sorry. I was talking, and I realized that my phone was muted. Okay. I'm blessed, man. Thank you so much for having me. Uh, giving me this opportunity. I'm doing well, man. I hear you guys had quite the morning. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
1: we'll take it, though, man. If if yeah. the fight is like that, we'll take it to the gates. <laughs> no,
0: but but it, that's it, right. That's right. You know, our trial trial this morning wasn't as 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 close to your to your life trial, brother. It sounds like you got a a, a real testimony, man, and and you you battling. <laughs>
3: Well, uh, that's my last name, ironically, Battles. And uh, I don't think that uh, it was a coincidence. Actually, I think God has a sense of humor. (laughs) And uh, because that's what my life has been. One battle after the next. But, you know, we know David said that the battle is not ours. It's the Lord. That's right. And uh, it took me a little while to know and understand that. But praise God, anyhow.
1: So why don't you start out by telling us uh, a little bit about you know you were telling your bio says you lived in a lot of countries and uh, how your life was as a young man prior to uh, the age of eighteen where you had that dream.
3: Well, brother JB and uh, your your other co-hosts. What is was your name again, brother? Uh, Terrence. Terrence. Terrence and JB. I'm going to do my best to remember. Um, You know, life for me before the age of 18 was very interesting. Like you said in the bio that you read, JB, um, I was born in Dallas, Texas. However, however, my mother is born and raised a native of the Bahamas. Okay. And that wouldn't be a big deal, really, if for much of my adolescent years, we didn't make the trip back and forth between Texas And the Bahamas. Mm -hmm. Um, We lived there uh, off and on between the U.S. and the islands of the Bahamas up until I was about 16. Mm -hmm. And I'm talking about three or four different times where we were uprooted. We left Texas, went to the Bahamas. Mm. Uprooted, left the Bahamas, went back to Texas. So on and so forth like a tennis match. And uh, finally we settled in the Tyler, Texas area when I was about 17, 18 years old. But before then, again, man, life was interesting. From abuse at the hand of my father to the emotional and physical uh, abuse that just dealing with different locations would bring and having to make new friends and then discarding uh, older ones because we kept moving. To porn addiction at the age of nine years old Mm. Um, and running in into magazines in the back trunk of my father's car then you go from that to smoking your first cigarette at 12 years old Uh, you go to having nearly lost my virginity at age 15 it was nothing but a miracle that I held on to that until age 21 but so many other things happened to me sexually uh, that I might as well have lost my virginity early on. Mm-hmm. And uh, just, you know, one thing after the next. Again, my last name is Battles. And with that, life has tested me. It is I have been through many battles, many storms, many ups and downs emotionally, physically, spiritually. Yet I still stand here this morning with you guys, JB and Terrence, sharing about the goodness of God and how he has brought me through.
1: Mm. Wow. So this uprooting that was taking place, um, you weren't in a military family, right?
3: No, sir. Not at all.
1: That was just the ebb and flow of life, uh, instability in the family.
3: That's correct. I will, I will explain it like this, JB. When there were issues in my mom and dad's relationship. As a result of those issues, they would uproot us and move us around. I guess they say that if something ain't going right in one area, one location, let's try it over here. And if it ain't going right over here, let's pick up and try it again over there. And that was really what we went through. Um, Whenever there were issues in that marriage, whenever there were things going on uh, that destabilized the relationship between them both, Mm -hmm. well, we would move. And that's just pretty much how that went. Did your parents stay together
1: or or did they divorce?
3: They are still together to this day. It's a testament to God's grace and his mercy. Uh, 41 years. Wow. They have been together and um, they are loving on one another right now as we speak in the Texas area. Mm.
0: Amen. Amen. I I know growing up in... um, you know, in, in that environment, you know, as far as, you know, not stability, home-wise, um, how did you, th- well, how did that, or how do you think that affected you uh, in your teenage years? Did did it, um, you know, what I mean, did you suffer with some depression, or did you uh, lash out with anger, or, or you know, what I mean, like?
3: Yes, you know, Terence is a great question because, um, obviously, there are repercussions that we that we experience as a result of the way things have gone with us in our early years. Yes, most definitely I dealt with depression. Uh, Like I said earlier, I kept on having to be uprooted, which meant that I had to get to know new friends. I had to leave old friends behind. I never had that joy or of a consistent atmosphere. Hmm. And that brought about a lot of depression, And it opened my mind to look for something to distract me. Mm -hmm. So again, at the age of nine in the year 1992, I remember Desert Storm had just broken out, the Desert Storm War. And uh, I was told to go to the back trunk of my dad's car. I don't remember what he told me to get. But I remember walking outside to the trunk, popping open the trunk of that Dodge vehicle we drove at that time Mm -hmm. and seeing a box of Playboy magazines. And that became a big, big deal because with the depression, with not having the friends, the steady atmosphere, the 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 the, the foundation of a a, a a familiar atmosphere, it helped it helped me to connect with the pornography in a way that became truly a crutch. It became an outlet, right, um, for me at the age of nine. Now, mind you, I didn't have full range access to these types of materials at nine years old. But I do remember looking at them, and this was a little before the internet. I do remember looking at uh, these magazines. And at the time, we had some cousins. My dad's first cousins lived in Atlanta near where we lived. And so these would be my second or third cousins. And I remember one of them, her and I, would do things hmm. based on images that I saw in the magazine and then later on finding out about some of the things that she experienced in her home. Uh, we were just playing out what was played in due to the depression, due to the instability of my life, due to uh, an idle mind being the devil's workshop and not having the solid foundation uh, that I, I, I felt that I should have had, uh, you know, looking back at it.
2: Wow,
1: and just jumping ahead just a little bit we're going to have you walk us to where you were 18 and had the dream but how has that affected you as an adult now as a functioning adult that introduction into porno and to the sex life we're just trying to give the listeners a broad view of how the domino effect happens for for children Mm -hmm. that sometimes they had and then later in life it springs and bears fruit?
3: Well, you know, J.B., <laughs> it did a number on me, man. Uh, I'm just going to be real and as transparent mm-hmm. as I can. It did a number because, number one, we are sexual creatures anyway. Right. We were created to want to, to, to enjoy uh, the opposite sex. And, in fact, when God said, be fruitful and multiply to Adam and Eve, that involved sex. I yes. mean, just straight up, there's no way to get around that. Yeah. However, the devil knows what's inside of us and has been passed down through the hereditary bloodline. He knows how to uh, trip us up and to get us caught up. And after the, the, the pornography came into my life in the still image form, uh, a few years later, I found uh, while I was through the through the satellite, the old fashioned satellite dish, I found live stream porn channels, Mm. and that really did a number on me. It it affected me in terms of uh, helping me to begin self-abuse, masturbation, lust. I mean, lust is a big deal Mm -hmm. uh, because no one can see when you're doing it. You're doing it in your mind. You could be in class and you're trying to study, but you're thinking about undressing your teacher. I mean, these were kind of things that I did. You're thinking about what a young lady may look like under her clothes because you've been introduced to that stuff early. Mm -hmm. Then as I've gotten older, I've found that when I began in the lifestyle of drug use, that woo, uh, it only intensified the lust, the porn addiction, because when I did use, I was using cocaine. And if you know anything about that particular substance, it's referred to as an aphrodisiac. It only helps to strengthen what's already in you Mm. if you're already sexually inclined. And, uh, it caused or helped to help. It helped to create a lot of lust, a lot of cheating on my first wife, a lot of relationships to the side where I was married, but you know, living that life. And so it started with the porn. It started with the naked images of these women, and uh, it followed me throughout my uh, childhood and then into my adult life until I surrendered my life to Christ. Mm. It, it was a big deal. Mm. So um, you, did, you
0: mentioned that you were married. So at, at what age uh, did you get married? And, and did you get married out of love or was it to fill a gap? Or, or did you need that companionship that you missed out on in, in your younger years? Or, or uh, explain, or, or can you go in detail? Um, about that.
3: Yes, sir. Mr. Terrence, I, you know, when I got married in the 2007, the first time, I was 22 years old, 22 or 23. And you talked about filling a gap. You know, interesting that you said that because as a young person, and all, all of our audience, all of those who listen to YouTube, I'm sure can relate to the fact that when you don't have proper relationships at the foundation of your life, You're going to be looking to fill the gap Mm -hmm. with something. The devil is going to put something in your path. And uh, again, for me early on, it became pornography and then it became relationships with women. I have sought to find myself and to feel loved through the eyes and the arms of women. Mm -hmm. When I married my first wife, I had just left Massachusetts. I was working for a company called The Review and Herald, selling books. And, uh, I had messed that all up, uh, messed up my relationship with that company. And, uh, I remember I was at a low point. I was, I had move back home with my parents mm-hmm. and because the relationship there was never really what I wanted it to be, what I expected it to be, I, I barely spoke to them.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: And I remember I went to camp meeting one evening on Saturday evening, uh, upon an invitation and I met my then wife got close to her back then. Facebook wasn't popular. MySpace was the thing. We exchanged MySpace info. And yes, like you said, you know, I was looking to fill a gap. Really? Now I did love this young lady. I cared for her deeply, but I jumped into a marriage hoping that marriage would fix me
2: mm.
3: when only Christ could do that. Right. Mm. And so I brought my foolish behavior into the marriage. Now at the beginning for the first few months, I was good but I remember moving into her parents' house because I didn't have anything. And we were trying to make a, a, a home for ourselves, saving the little monies that I was making at Subway. And within two months of my marriage, I found myself cheating on my ex-wife mm-hmm. because I had not been purged of the lifestyle that I had been accustomed to before I met her. I was looking for that relationship to fix me mm-hmm. where the only thing that can cleanse and fix is the blood of Christ Jesus and i didn't
2: understand that at that time yeah yeah
0: it's, it's it, i mean that's the majority of uh, the young adults today and, and, and i mean generation like y- you're explaining what millennials go through they're not ready for marriage i mean though they they like mm. the idea of marriage they like the idea of having a family but they're not ready the, mentally emotionally uh, no right. the fir- the first month the first week <laughs> the honeymoon period that's is right. over after you know 30 days or or even two seconds, you know, if you last that long in the bed. <laughs> right. But honeymoon period That's is right. over. Um, and then what you got left? You got the mm. arguing. You that got the reality. The reality, yeah. Uh,
1: yes. yeah. You know what I find interesting is uh, there was a generational pass down to Andre mm-hmm. through the porno in his father's trunk.
0: I've seen that, uh, yeah.
1: You know, so his father was actually dealing with that. Mm. And then just by sheer accident, he went to the trunk, and that was his intro mm-hmm. to this lifestyle, basically, right, right there, which, which is not the right way to get introduced, just to let everybody know. Hmm. Sure. We're anti-porno. It destroys families. It is, it is the hidden secret in a lot of uh, uh, relational issues and problems.
0: Number one addiction in the church.
1: Yeah, okay. It's <laughs> so number
0: one addiction right. in the church. I, I
1: can definitely agree with that. That's right. Uh, but unfortunately, my introduction, Brother Andre, was at six. That's when mm-hmm. I looked at porno for the first time. Playboy.
2: Mm-hmm. Okay. So, Likewise.
1: And it it did the same. Similar mm-hmm. stuff, man. Similar stuff.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: You know, so mm-hmm. thank God that you can't be delivered, though. That's, that's the message. That's right. That's right. So walk us now to... You've gone through this as a teenager. At 18, you had this dream about being in a pulpit, preaching, I'm I'm thinking is what you're meaning, to a large audience, thousands in a football stadium. How did this dream come about? Is there anything significant about 18 that maybe your mindset changed a bit and you started thinking more along spiritual lines?
3: You know, very good question. Again, JB, I'll answer it this way. Nine years before that, I was nine years old. Again, I told you guys, 1992, I was nine, living in Atlanta. Mm
2: -hmm.
3: And my dad had did something that caused physical harm, and my mother called the police. The police came, and they arrested him. And I remember at nine years old, I was crying, begging my mother, as for an explanation, why my father treated me the way he did. Numerous times I went to school, beat up, bruised up, black and blue. Teachers would pull me out of class and say, Hey, what's wrong? Andre, are you okay? And I would lie on behalf of my dad because I didn't want him to go to jail.
2: Mm.
3: I had enough sense to know that if I told the truth, he would go to jail, but my teachers were not stupid. And so, uh, social services would be called, et cetera, et cetera. And this mm-hmm. particular time, like I said, my mother herself called the police and my dad went off to jail. And as I asked her this question, she grabbed me by the shoulders and put me on the bathroom counter and looked at me dead in the face and said, Andre, I don't know why your daddy treats you the way he does, but God is going to use it to his glory.
2: Mm-hmm. Now,
3: at nine years old, she said that to me. <laughs> and I didn't understand fully, but somehow a light bulb came on. And from that day on, I knew that I had a purpose, although I didn't know fully what that was.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: Fast forward that to nine years later, the year 2001, I'm 18 and I'm in Texas at Lone Star Camp, which is a camp meeting campground area, uh, in the Athens, Texas area from Southwest region conference of seven day Adventists. That's uh, my fellowship. And I remember that they, uh, had me there that summer. I was a, I was a counselor for the younger kids who just 18, just turned 18.
2: Mm.
3: And I went to sleep that night, and I remember I dreamed a dream that I was on an island, and as I look around the island, I can tell that a storm was coming. Mm. And I can tell this because the wind was whipping, and I was on a beach, and I could see the waters were choppy. It was not a peaceful scene. And as I looked into the, the Island, I noticed that there were people running from the inland part of the Island towards the beach where I was standing. And these were native, uh, these were African people. However, it was funny because the Island looked quite Oriental due to the structure the buildings, et cetera. Mm -hmm. But these were African people running towards me. They ran past me and in their teepees, you know, tribal African gear, they hopped into these canoes. And when they hopped into the canoe, I'm thinking, well, maybe I need to follow them, which was quite strange because if a hurricane is coming, which was the storm that was brewing up, the last place you want to be is in the water or near the beach. Right. But that's where I was on the beach and they were hauling it off into the ocean. So I look around on the beach after they had hopped into these canoes and then left me there. And I saw a paddle boat, one of the boats that you propel with your feet. Mm -hmm. And I grabbed it. And as I yanked it towards the ocean to chase these people, as soon as I got to the water's edge, I realized that it was chained with a chain Mm. to the surface of the beach. Mm -hmm. And I could not take it. I said, oh, man, in my dream, I threw up my hands in despair because I didn't know what to do at this point. And right at that point, I looked around and I saw a double wide trailer on the beach that I had not seen before. Uh So I looked at the trailer and a woman walks out of the front door and says, come in here, son. And when she says this, I said, okay, no hesitation. I quickly ran into the double wide trailer. But when I got into this trailer, it was the RCA dome where the Indianapolis Colts played football for years. Now they have a new stadium now in Indianapolis, Mm -hmm. but... You guys know that the RCA Dome used to be where uh, Peyton Manning used to toss footballs right. for several years,
2: mm-hmm.
3: and I'm in there now on a pulpit in the middle of that field, and there are thousands of young people, people, older people in that crowd, and I can remember it like I mean to this day, I remember the details. Mm-hmm. And then I woke up. Interestingly enough, I'll say this real quickly. The conference president was on campus that summer and was there that next day. And I went to him. I'm not going to call his name. And I said, Pastor so-and-so, would you please tell me what my dream means? And I explained it to him just as I explained it to you. And he gave me the most honest answer anyone could have given me. He could have told me anything. He could have fed me some type of information. But he looked me dead in my face and said, young man, I don't know. Mm. And he walked off. Mm. <laughs> wow. He said, I don't know. And he walked right off. He turned right around. And it, at that time, I was immature enough to see the light in that. Mm. I was expecting an answer, but I'm so grateful that he didn't profess or proclaim upon me something that was not of thus said God. Mm-hmm. Right. And throughout the rest of my life since that time, the 22 years or 21 years since then, God has been revealing the dream to me.
2: Mm.
0: So did you um, ever um, find out the the purpose of the physical abuse from your father when your mother said that God is going to use it uh, you, know, you know, for his glory or whatnot? Did you ever find that out or are you still still going through that?
3: Most definitely, uh, Terrence. Revelation chapter twelve, verse eleven says that we overcome Satan through the blood of the Lamb, which is Christ. And through the word of our testimony, my Mm. favorite scripture, my favorite scripture, because my mother told me at night that I would be used by God through my story, my testimony. Mm. And since having lost my leg, since having been put on dialysis, since having been a diabetic since age 14, since having lost my first wife and not having access to my two children every day, Mm. Since having addictions and drugs and going through all of these things, of course, at the beginning or going through them, they felt like the worst things I could have ever experienced. But on the flip side of it now, Brother Terrence and Brother JB, I realize that that is the very tool that God has given me to destroy the kingdom of Satan, my story. Mm. And now I embrace it. I, I don't, I don't fear it. I don't, I'm not afraid of what I've gone through. I'm not ashamed to say that for years I was addicted to porn or addicted to cocaine. I'm not afraid to say that I lost my first wife as a result of foolish behavior. I'm not ashamed to say that even in ministry, I've embarrassed myself publicly when certain things came out upon me four years ago due to my behavior. It's all a part of the story that God has given me to help bring someone else out of the darkness that he or she may be in.
0: That's right. And, and I love, I love that uh, dream, man, that, that the Lord uh, uh, gave you because it shows you that your mission is to reach multitudes of young people. Um, so if you look at the generations today, you know, especially uh, Gen Z, <laughs> the most feared generation, mm-hmm. um, they don't have a sense of direction. Uh, I mean, yeah. I, I'm, I'm not going to knock them. I'm not going to knock them. I love Gen Z. But... As far as the previous generations, what have been shown to them, uh, Gen Z, uh, they, to me, they don't know right from wrong. <laughs> they think mm-hmm. it's okay to go out and, and, and burn down cities. You know, they mm-hmm. think it's okay to, you know, poke poke at the man. You know, mm-hmm. and, and not respect authority. I, I think in uh, Texas or, or was it Texas, Dallas, Texas? Yeah, as a young man, Gen Z, and kill a couple police officers. Uh, I mean, they don't mm-hmm. really see. Uh, the, the Their mentality So I think it's wonderful That the Lord is using your story To show them a sense of direction Because a lot of them, I feel Have gone through what you have gone through The abuse from from parents And you know, the, the yeah. pornography Especially with, with social media And the internet mm-hmm. I mean, it's easily yeah. accessible So I, I do see that you are used In that area, in that, in that light So, so uh, you did mention I mean- You uh, lost your leg uh, for, I mean, I heard your testimony about four years ago. I mean, it's it's powerful, but can you uh, share, you know, to our viewers and uh, our listeners, um, how did that come about?
3: Well, um, Brother Terrence, uh, 2017, I was a truck driver. I had my commercial driver's license, and I drove big trucks in the Freeport, Louisiana area. To be more specific, I hauled frack sand for the oil field. Back in 2017, uh, there was a lot of movement in the oil business and industry. And so there was a lot of fracking going on, which is basically pulling the natural resources out of the earth. Well, when they pull oil and gases out of the earth, they've got to replace it with something so that they can avoid earthquakes Mm -hmm. and different things of this nature. And so that's what fracking is. I was driving a a trailer that would carry different levels and grades of sand that they would use to replace in those areas that they would pull nutrients and minerals out of. Mm. Well, during that time, I remember I was at a truck stop and I was checking my feet. I took off my shoes and my socks. And I noticed that there was an ulcer growing on the bottom of my foot. Now, mind you, during this time, I was living the life in terms of a different woman in my truck every night. And I had a wife at home Mm. and two children.
2: I was snorting cocaine
3: in the truck. This was my first wife. Yes, sir. I was snorting cocaine in the truck. I was smoking marijuana in the truck, packs of cigarettes, two, three packs of Newports a day in the truck, Mm. alcohol in the truck. It's just a grace of God. I never got pulled over and drug tested by, uh, by, uh, the 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 Department of Motor Vehicles, yeah, DOT. They've doing yeah. they're doing that now. Yes, Dov. They're doing that now. They're drug testing you on the side of the road now. Mm. It's just by the grace of God, that didn't happen. And I didn't get in a wreck, mm. and that my job did not drug test me. But I'd be on the job place high. I'd be on the job place out of my mind, and that was the only way that I could continue the behaviors with these women. Mm by being high and out of my mind because I did fully love my wife, but I didn't love her enough. I didn't love her more than I loved my flesh
2: mm.
3: and I wanted to do what I was going to do. And the drugs blunted my mind long enough to do it. And when I saw this diabetic ulcer growing on the bottom of my foot, you know, I had this little Cadillac Cavalier idea in my mind that, Hey, it's all good. I'll be okay. Mm-hmm. You know, I've gotten through other things. I've gotten through worse put my shoes and socks back on and I went back to work as normal the next several weeks until it got to the point where that ulcer began to eat at my flesh and began to bore a hole in my foot. Mm. It became infected and I still wouldn't go to the hospital. Wow. In fact, I quit that job and then I started working for another company and my foot is rancid at this point. I mean, oozing. And I still won't go to the hospital cause I was living that life. I didn't want to break away from the lifestyle that I was living. And the infection alone could have killed me. I, if I didn't walk around for a month and a half, two months with an infection, I didn't walk around with, with it for a, a week. And I should have been dead. Been yeah. dead. Yeah. Um, when I finally went to the hospital, uh, the doctors told me, Andre, it's way too late. We cannot save your leg. And I was 33, 34 at the time. And uh, it was a shock to me. Two young children, a wife, hopes to do, you know, great things in this life, although I wasn't at that time doing anything with my life positively. And sure enough, September the 17th of 2017, they cut my leg off. Mm. But I tell you, it humbled me. It really did humble me. It slowed me down. Mind you, in the rehab, I've got my drug dealer bringing cocaine to me. I was on. <laughs> at that point, I was like, you know what? I'm going to kill myself. Like at this point, it's over. You know, I'm thinking yeah. these things in my mind. I've destroyed myself. It's over. God doesn't want to use me. Forget the dream. Forget all these kind of stuff. Mm. I'm at the lowest point of my life, and I was ordering cocaine, having it dropped off to the rehab wow. center, all of those kind of things. But at the end of the day, God said. I look at the story of the prodigal son as he was gone away from home. The Bible says specifically, I believe that story is in the book of Mark. He finds his right mind mm. when he was eating with the pigs at the lowest point of his life is when he came to senses. census. Mm. And that has been my prayer for family members and friends who are going out of style and doing their thing. I pray that they come to the lowest point of their lives so they can come to their senses. Because that's what happened to me. That's what happened to the prodigal son. And, uh, you know, I said, okay, you know, finally God got my attention. I'm not going to sit here and say that that was it. There were other things. There's obviously, that marriage ended mm-hmm. about two years after I lost my leg. My ex-wife decided she had had enough and began a relationship with a brother that she met on Instagram. Mm-hmm. While we were married, now, mind you, I would had about 15 to 20 women in and out of our marriage while we had been married. Mm-hmm. But you know Like that song by R Kelly said, "Where the woman is fed up, there ain't nothing you can do about it. <laughs> it got to that point.
2: Right. Okay. It had gotten to that that's point. Right. She had had
3: enough. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, she started talking to another brother that really, that's really when the Lord came into my life mm. and broke me. Mm. When I saw that her affections had split from me completely, We'd be living in the same house, but she'd be in her room talking to this fella on the phone and I'd hear them laughing and giggling. She'd put me out. I was sleeping in my daughter's room. Wow. And that's when God started breaking me. The lesson of the seed is that the seed will never bear fruit until it's first is broken. I want you to catch that. It has <laughs> right. to be buried. <laughs> that is it deep. has to be broken and buried before it bears fruit. And I, I had to be broken and buried before I could bear fruit for Christ because it was too much of self still on the throne. And I'm not going to sit there and say that I I've made it and I've arrived. Yeah. Lord knows that I still am learning. I'm still surrendering self. Absolutely. But that process began in 27, 2018 when, uh, 2019 rather when my wife decided my ex-wife that she had had enough.
1: It's, uh, my, my wife's uncle, he put it this way. He said, uh, I don't have my Christian card, but I turned in the application. Amen. <laughs> hey, we on the path, brother. We on the path. That's right. So That's um, right. there's a couple of things coming in my head. I'm trying to keep track of it. Uh, okay. I remember. I want to talk about a, a post that you put up about a friend that stuck by you thick and thin through all this okay. when other people. We'll, we'll come to that in just a second. Uh, were there people, though, in your life during that time that were trying to warn you off of that? And and how did you react to that, if that was the case?
2: Hmm.
3: Yes, uh, Brother JB, there were individuals in my life. My mother, in fact, the year was 2010, and my mother says to me one day out the blue, Andre, God is going to put you in a wheelchair if you don't get your life together. <laughs> wow. If he's got to put you in a wheelchair for you, to, for you to get your life together. And I remember 2010, seven years before I lost my leg, I'm thinking, mama, you must be smoking something. Like, what you talking about? <laughs> you know? Uh, I, I remember telling her, what, do you, what are you saying? Like, where, where is that coming from? Mm. And she said to me, I'll never forget it, 2010. Andre, if God's got to put you in a wheelchair, Mm. to get your attention. He'll do it. Uh, my ex (laughs) mother-in-law, my my ex wife's mother, she used to tell me things all the time. Baby, you need to get it together. Mm. You know, you need to get it together, baby. You need to, you need to fly. Right. God has given you too many gifts for you to be living the way you live in cocaine, crack, marijuana, alcohol, sleeping around. My ex wife would go back and tell them about these things. I mean, obviously, uh, you know, when you, you've you had enough of a situation and it seems as if everything you've done to try and get the person's attention don't work, mm-hmm. you start telling folks. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's what she did. And my mother-in-law, ex-mother-in-law, would tell me, you know, Andre, you need to get get it together. Uh, I had a few friends uh, out there in this world that would try and, and, and encourage me, some more so than others. Mm-hmm. I have one particular friend, I'll even call his name. I was in uh, Poteet, Um, Texas, near San Antonio. The year was 2017. Right before I lost my leg. And I'm out there doing my thing, driving trucks, got a different woman, like I said, for every day. That was the thing with me. You know, I'd get tired of a woman quickly after I did my thing with her and Mm -hmm. I would run and find another one. Mm -hmm. And uh, a good friend of mine that lives in Texas to this day, his name is AJ. One night I was with a woman sleeping with her and he called me. And I didn't want to answer, and the Holy Spirit said, answer that phone. And I answered the mm-hmm. phone while messing around with this woman, and he just, he it's like he knew, he always knew what was going on in my life. He'd never say that I knew you going astray, but he would just call me like, hey, Dre, I'm praying for you, man.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: I'm praying for you, Dre. And that's it. He mm-hmm. didn't get into me and preach a sermon. He didn't condemn me, he didn't provoke me because he knew good and well that Mm -hmm. I was not open to hear anything about God really because he knew the life I was living. But he would always be a steady reminder hey Drake, I'm praying for you man. I'm praying for you bro. And then he'd hang up. Mm. He wouldn't go into no no sermon. And uh, so there were a few people JB to answer your question. There were some people that tried to get me on the right track but I was too determined to do my own thing. Mm
1: -hmm. You know, what's interesting, too, is, uh, you know, because we're dealing with generational issues. This kind of crosses generations. But after somebody goes through something and they see a younger person starting to go through it, Mm -hmm. it's just like this automatic thing where you want to pass that information down. I mean, you know your mother's going to do it. Mm -hmm. Your father, if he's still in your life, you know. uh, But usually older folks can see it. Yeah. They'll see something. I don't know if it's something God gives them, or and then they'll try to pass that info down. They may not even know you, right? Per se, right? But they'll, hey man, I'm just. I don't know what you're going through, but mm. you might want to take a different path,
2: man.
1: You know, out of the blue, <laughs> that and,
0: and God and, and, and God has a way of doing that, man. You know, He always sends a warning before the destruction. And it doesn't matter who he uses. I mean, we read the Bible and see he used a donkey. right?
2: Uh, but he that's might right. use
0: the closest person to you. He might even use a stranger. Uh, but yeah, you are right, John. Listening to his testimony, you can see it goes across generations of, of passing down these generational curses. Uh, we've seen the pornography. We've seen the drugs. We've seen the alcohol. We've seen the marriage. I mean, mm-hmm. even though their his parents are still married today. I mean, that's, that's <laughs> praise a the Lord. miracle. That's a miracle. But yes. the reason why his, you know, his, his marriage failed, it was based off of the things that he was doing mm-hmm. uh, and, and, you know, vice versa as well. So did all the and the one part I think we're missing out is the church. So did all these things happen while you were in the church or out of the church or
3: Brother, I was attending church every week, <laughs> even <laughs> at, 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 different, at different points. I was even still ministering on Facebook, mm. ministering on YouTube. Were wow. you getting high you at this things. time? Were, were, were drugs a part of your life while you were? Most definitely. Wow. Most definitely. Um, I, I, you know, at the time, the drugs were a crutch. They were my emotions, Uh, when I was happy, I was high. When I was sad, I was high.
2: Mm. When Mm.
3: things were going the right way, I would get high. Me and my wife, ex-wife would get into it. I'd go get high. Mm. Um, I felt like a failure because I wasn't doing what the dream had predicted in my life. So I'd go get high. Mm. Uh, it was so many things that I was doing. And if you do remember, if you guys have been following this ministry for some time, before the year 2018, you would notice that there would be hiatuses. Yep, I'd get yep. on Facebook, start ministering, two, three, four months strong, and then I'd disappear. Yeah, we, Terrence and I actually, mm-hmm. we said, hey, well, I wonder what happened to,
1: to yeah. the battle. What was it? I battled daily, right? Yep. That's correct. Yeah. 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 I was like, man, that was really powerful. What what yeah. happened?
0: And then I, I ended up hitting John one day and I texting that picture of your foot. It looked like, right. it, 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 explain, what because we're going to bring that picture up here for our viewers. Uh, for those that, you know, okay. watch, but what, what did your foot look like?
3: Man, <laughs> the scar my what, foot what was this... all open, but it, the interesting thing about it was it looked like a nail, mm. the imprint of a nail on my foot, which when, what's so significant about that? Well, what nailed or uh, what held Christ on the cross? Of course it was love, but mm. a nail hung him there and held him there. And I remember looking at that photo as uh, I think it was my mother at the time came to the hospital and took that photo and the image of the surgical cut looked just like the image of a nail. Yes. And the (laughs) Holy Spirit said, that's my love for you, Andre. That's my love for you. I'm trying to show you even in your pain that I am for you and that I am not against you because one of the things that the enemy does to you when you have made the mistakes that I've made and have embarrassed yourself and have lost limbs, lost a wife, and uh, addictions have destroyed you and created a bad reputation for you. One of the things that the devil does is that he comes into your mind and starts telling you, God don't want you. Mm
2: -hmm.
3: Look, look at how people treat you. Look at how the church even treats you when they find out about what you've done. Mm -hmm. The church start pulling away. I remember when I was exposed for bad behavior, I remember when things started happening, friends started unfriending me. Mm. Ministers who I thought loved me stopped receiving my calls. Mm. Wow. People started cutting me off from the church. Mm. And then it reminded me of the scripture where Christ said, these wounds that I have in my hands, I received in the house of my friends. Mm. And I thought about it. I said, wow, wow. This is the place where I thought that sinners, sick people come to get healing and to be embraced. But unfortunately, the atmosphere in many of our churches today has changed. And it's not a place for healing anymore. It's a social club. It's where folks who are, quote unquote, righteous go to hang out and hang out with other righteous, quote unquote, people Mm -hmm. and do work with other, quote unquote, righteous ministers and friends. (laughs) But you, a sinner? Oh, we don't want nothing to do with you. (laughs) And the devil starts telling me these things. and, and, And as I was hearing these voices in my head, oh, man. It took me to the place where I nearly committed suicide. One mm. evening, I was sitting in my truck, and I was snorting some cocaine. I had come to the bottom of the bag. Cocaine is a powerful drug. I'm gonna just tell you right now. It messes with your brain mm. heavily. It's a very powerful drug, and whatever spirit and emotion you in, when you start using it, it takes on that spirit of the, uh, of, of of that emotion mm. and intensifies it. Mm. And I was in a depressed state. My wife wasn't talking to me. My ex-wife, she was still doing her thing. I'm sitting in the truck, snorting that last Mm bit of coke, and right then I grabbed the keys to my truck, put them in the ignition, and I heard the voice of the enemy say, "Drive out into oncoming traffic and end it. You ain't nothing. Mm -hmm. Ain't nobody want nothing to do with you. You you a mess. Look at you. Mm -hmm. Your ministry is finished. Nobody gonna fellowship with you." And in the Adventist church, oh, it's small enough. When they find out about what you've done, and which they have, they're going to continue to disfellowship you, discredit you, and not ha- hang with you. Mm-hmm. And to this day, many of those brothers have not called me back, not have reached out to me, mm-hmm. nothing. Mm-hmm. And so I turned the ignition on. I put the key in the ignition and turned the key on. I didn't start the engine. I just put it in the on position. I sat there for a minute. Going back and forth, you see the cartoons of the angel and the demon on (laughs) his shoulder. This was what was going on in my mind. Mm. And uh, finally, I said, I'm gonna do it. And I reached for the keys to turn them in the turn the ignition on all the way to start the engine. And would you believe, JB and Terrence, that those keys were on the dash of the dashboard? At this point, I just told y'all that I had put them <laughs> right. in existence and it turned them on. <laughs> when I decided that I was going to kill myself, the keys were on the dash. Mm. I know that was God.
2: Mm.
3: I know that that was God. Mm. And it kept me alive. Wow. It kept me alive. And I'm grateful to this day for it.
0: Man, it, this, this, people don't. It, it, uh, this is real. I, this is real, and people don't understand the impact of a testimony. You know what right. I mean? Because we all go through life. We're all human beings. We all, you know, we all do coke. I mean, not all, but most yeah. of us do coke.
1: We do drugs. I mean, we we out there or some other addiction that may not like from from uh, screens, yeah. phones, food, sex, simple things that we
0: wouldn't mm. even think. You know, would, would would have those effect effect on us, but. This is so deep, man. It ain't funny. Yes,
1: <laughs> And you know what, though? His testimony is a million other people's. Mm-hmm. and Not the same thing. Right. But he's saying how he was shunned.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: How his family life was. How his church family started turning on him. And, right. You know. And I'm, I'm imagining that... <clears throat> probably in your own way andre you were trying to throw up a lifeline because huh. that's usually yeah. what happens to people they mm-hmm. they're they're trying to get somebody to see I'm, I'm drowning right and that's a lot right. of times people can't see it they they're worried more about how they're gonna look if they deal with you
2: mm-hmm. versus mm-hmm.
1: actually helping the person out of the problem mm.
2: and that's so right. they
1: get blinded <laughs> and then you're kind of left with no hope and that one of the reasons why we're even talking about this, we wanna we wanna tell people across generations there is help, there's hope. You don't have to be hung out to drive by yourself. Correct. The road might be rough coming back,
2: mm-hmm.
1: you know, but there is a road. Right. And That's right. if you stay on it and hang in there, mm-hmm. we got a friend called Jesus that'll help you walk this yeah. thing all the way through. That's right. So yeah. um I wanna get to as we start closing down um, the friend that helped you and then how the dream kept your spirit alive. And the other big thing, man, that, that I want to find out and have the listeners know, I want to hear about your new wife. Uh, okay. Cause she had to know what you went through. <laughs> oh yeah. She, she signed on knowing your problems and I'm, I'm just guessing, man. I don't know, but and, and, and women have an intuition that men don't have naturally mm-hmm. that you mm-hmm. might not say a word and they can still read you like a book. Right. So That's right. if you can kind of bring us up to speed on th- this friend that helped you out, how the dream kept you alive and then how your wife, how she's been a blessing to you and, and how she came up, came about even wanting to be a part of your life. Mm.
3: Uh, JB, you're talking about this friend. You got me one. I'm trying to remember what story you're talking yeah. about. That. Let me tell you, you a so about, many about the story. Them. There was one. I don't remember
1: the guy's name, but you said you had his picture on Facebook, and you said this was the only guy that stuck with me through this storm. And that was kind of the gist uh, of, the, of the story. You said you when mean, everybody else left me. And and you, I was
3: sitting next to the brother in the yes, photo?
1: Yes, yes, Okay. Okay. Yeah, I posted
3: that almost two years ago. Yeah, yeah the memory. Yeah. And and, and <laughs> yeah. the reason
1: why I, I want to bring this up is is again to what I said earlier. There, uh-huh. there's always help and hope. <clears throat> you know, honestly, uh, God uses people.
2: You know, yeah. a lot of
1: time it's not a a dream or vision or Angel. bang out of the sky. It's, it's a person that he uses that doesn't mind going against the grain and swimming upstream. You know, yeah. they ride or die type people. So and that, that's, that stuck, that's why I'm bringing it up, because that's stuck with me. There's not too many people like that in this world. So, Amen. Uh, yeah. Amen. so if you could talk about him a little bit.
3: Well, his name is Christopher Winston. Okay. And he lives here in the Huntsville, Alabama area. And it's interesting how, things happen and how God puts folk in your path long before you know how they're going to be a blessing to you. Vice versa.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: When I lost my leg in 2017, I remember I went to Texas to a health, um, planetarium, if you will, someplace where they, you know, naturally mm-hmm. bring you back to good like health. Lifestyle center. Yes, yeah. The lifestyle center is exactly what it, what it was. And, uh, While I was there, I was getting my life back together with God at that time. Um, Because remember, I told you guys after the leg was cut off, I was still doing the dope. I was having folks deliver it to me, Mm -hmm. although I didn't have the way to get around on my own. Excuse me. And so while at this lifestyle center, uh, I get a donation sent to me through my PayPal account in the amount of $400, and I was like, whoa, (laughs) you know, because I was off and on doing ministry at this point. Mm -hmm. Um, This is when you would see three, four months, heavily, strong, going with the Lord, and then all of a sudden, three, four, five months, I would disappear off of Facebook. This was during that time, because I was still battling with addictions at that time. And so uh, when I got the donation, I'm thinking, well, who would bless me like this? Knowing my story because i had been transparent even with the Facebook audience about what I was going through. One of the things that I think that is missing in ministry is transparency. Man, I appreciate because when I look at the Bible and I, uh, uh, yes, <laughs> you know when when I look at the Bible, I see that God doesn't only tell you about how David killed Goliath, but He also tells you how David killed Uriah. Yeah,
2: yeah that's right. When,
3: when I look in the Bible, <laughs> you, you know, it, yeah. it, mm-hmm. it, it, it talks about all of it. It doesn't just show the glorious side of it. And I think ministry and ministers only want the glory,
2: Mm. but
3: your greatest testimony is when you can be real and talk about where you are currently and what you're going through now. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. You folks may say money and uh, opportunities may, may steal itself away from you. When you're in that position, praise God, I'm a lay pastor. Ain't nobody paying me. I can say what I got to say, what <laughs> right. I'm ready to say. It. Come on. So at the end of the day, I look at, and I said, whoa, somebody's uh, sending me money like this? And I go to my PayPal account, and I look to see who the person was. And it said Christopher Winston. And I'm like, I knew his wife. Hmm. His wife and my ex-wife and I had been cool, mm-hmm. but I never talked to this cat. Mm -hmm. Never. So I reached out to him on Facebook, got his phone number and called him. And he's like, yo, bro, you know, I just knew that you were going through some things. You had just lost your leg. And, uh, I've been following your ministry. He never would like share comment Mm -hmm. or anything on my post, but it just goes to show you that there are more people watching you than you know. And, uh, he's like, you know, know, you've been, you've inspired me to, you, you know, through your life. And, I just want to share this money with you, man. I know you you can't work right now. I'm trying to help you get back on your feet. And brothers, that started a relationship. Fast forward now to 2020, three years later. He was living in Huntsville, Alabama all this time. Mm. I was in Louisiana with my ex-wife. And when that marriage ended and I found my new boo, (laughs) <laughs> Praise the Lord. I moved to Huntsville, Alabama, where she lives. Mm-hmm. And I it has put me closer to Chris, who is my good friend. And so the photo that you're talking about on Facebook, JB, we were there studying the Bible one day. Man, brothers got to stick together. Yes. And that's another issue within the church body. We, an arm and a leg and a hand and a feet is not aloof from the body, but we are all trying to do our thing alone over here. Like I'm mm. Rambo, you are a Schwarzenegger <laughs> and I, Hey, I don't need nobody. <laughs> right. and, and and that's the way it is. Even in ministry, you see that bro, you, who, who says that I'm struggling or I'm going through something. Who do you really talk to and say, Hey man, pray for me. Right. Just because you're a pastor or a leader or minister, are you saying that you aren't tested? that right. you aren't tempted. Exactly. In fact, you are tempted and tested more than the average person Absolutely. because the devil wants to shut your mouth up. <laughs> and that's why uh, a terrorist car went off the road this morning. That's why J.B. woke up and the dog ate all of your equipment <laughs> <laughs> because you guys are trying to do things for God. That's right. You understand? Mm-hmm. So, uh, So when I moved here, he and I started studying the word together. And I was at his home one evening and I decided to take that photo and I posted it on Facebook to share about the love of God and the love of friends. Jonathan Mm. and David, the Bible talks about their love for one another was stronger than the love of a man and his wife. Mm. That's some kind of love. right? (laughs) Where are those relationships now? Mm -hmm. Where, Where are their brothers and sisters in our lives? that we can go and be 100 with about what we're going through and not hear about it on Facebook tomorrow Mm. or not hear about it in the church tomorrow or the next weekend. You're going to get stoned, man. (laughs) Brother, stoned, uh, flogged, castrated, and everything else. (laughs) You know? And and, and that's the fear. And I I can imagine that that's why most of us are not transparent. Mm -hmm. But again, I don't fear any man. Because Mm -hmm. for every woman or man that may look at my story and turn up his or her nose and share it with somebody in a way to defame me, Mm -hmm. there's three or four other people looking at that story and then looking at themselves in the mirror and saying, wow, this brother could go through that and still be struggling and striving and fighting and battling. I can too. That's right. And that's why I do what I do. That's why I'm so transparent. That's why I share. And so Chris came into my life in that way. You asked about my wife, my new wife, Mm -hmm. JB, man. (laughs) So I was, I was living in Street Shreveport, Louisiana. And I'm going to be transparent here again. I was living with one woman who was the clerk of the church that I was attending. She (laughs) wasn't obviously not my wife. And then I was sleeping with an older woman in town who was giving me the money that I needed Mm. when I needed it. So I was juggling two women at a time. One woman knew about the other woman. The other woman didn't. Mm-hmm. And then my wife, who was my ex-wife now, she didn't know about, well, she knew about the one I was living with, but she didn't know about the one that I was having sexual relations with. Mm-hmm. During that time, things were, were, were hectic because my marriage had ended. We were already in divorce court. I didn't have anything, and that was the main reason I was living with the sister. There was no sex between us. Mm -hmm. But, of course, she was interested in me, and I knew that. Mm -hmm. And I somewhat took advantage of that.
2: Mm.
3: Now, during this time, I'm still praying. I'm beginning to start praying again. Let me say that. Because I was not praying. I was not talking to God during this time. And my ministry was really pretty much shut down on social media up until about June of 2020. And I have not turned back since. If you followed, you've noticed that it's since June, mm. the middle of June of 2020, you have not seen me turn back around. Right. Homeboy has been going. I've been running with this thing. Why? Because God has given me new life, and I know that I owe it back to him. Mm. So at this time, I was contemplating, however, get letting go of Facebook ministry because although I had made many mistakes and had fallen and had embarrassed myself and was not consistent, I had been doing Facebook ministry since 2010 mm-hmm. and I had felt like it wasn't going anywhere. I felt like nobody was following it. No opportunities to preach were So please, you might as well forget it. No, after what had happened with me and, and everything that folk had found out about being, no, nobody was calling me to come preach nowhere. I don't think that the ants and the rodents in the backyard would have called me. to preach church. And so, you know, so I was like, you know what? no, I am going to give this up Lord because I was in my feelings and I felt like it wasn't making an impact. And that very day that I decided this, and I was getting my life back together, living with this one woman, sleeping with another, mm-hmm. but I'm feeling convicted by the spirit that all of this needs to change. Right. And so uh I move out of the house with the young lady that I was staying with and I move into an apartment and I couldn't even uh, and into a hotel that I couldn't afford, but I started living by faith mm. and the woman who I was sleeping with, the older woman that had the money, I was just asking her to help me and yeah. I stopped sleeping with her mm. and I told her I was no to sleep with her no more. Mm. And I said, but I need your help financially. I know you got it. If you bless me, I promise you that when I get back on my feet, I'll pay you back. And she paid my rent for those times that I stayed
2: there.
3: Mm. Well, during that time I was floating through Facebook, just scrolling through my timeline. And I come across the photo of my now wife. I didn't even know we were friends. I had not, I didn't know how we had gotten connected on Facebook and I noticed that she was a gorgeous looking woman. I said, wow. And you know, because of my player ways and the ways that I had lived before, (laughs) I didn't do anything in the terms of reaching out and saying anything to her because I didn't want to, to, to start a friendship or relationship in the old style in which I had done. Right. So instead of writing a message, I left two emojis under the photo, the googly eye emojis and a heart emoji. And I went about my business. I didn't say another word to her. Mm-hmm. A day later, I woke up to a message from her mm-hmm. and I'm like, why is she messaging me? And then in the message, she says, thank you.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: And so I messaged her back. I said, thank you. I said, ma'am, what, what are you thanking me for? I had forgot that I even left the emojis under her photo. Mm -hmm. She said, well, remember you left the comments under my photo yesterday. And I'm just saying, thank you. And I remembered, and that started a friendship. I had to, however, begin to tell her the truth about my life, what I was doing, Mm -hmm. who I was living with currently at the time, my addictions, why my ex-wife had divorced me and put me in court everything came to the table. Now at first gentlemen, I'm not going to tell you no lie. I didn't tell her the truth at the beginning. I had her thinking I was staying with a roommate. I didn't tell her it was a woman. Mm
2: -hmm. Right. Right.
3: But as we got closer to one another and I felt my heart drawing closer to her, the spirit of God said, now you got some stuff you need to clean up and you've got to give this woman the truth because you cannot uh, start a relationship based on a lie. Right. That's right. That's right. And so I told her one day, I said, look, you know, love, I I care about you. I'm in court right now. The papers have already been signed. We're just waiting for the state of Louisiana. There's some interesting laws about divorce. And so we were waiting for the courts to get some things done. And uh, I remember telling her, and then I told her about the young lady I was living with. Although I wasn't sleeping with her, I had to tell her about that. And then I had to tell her about the actual older lady that I had been sleeping with. Mm -hmm. And when I did all of that, I said, yeah, this, this, this was going to be one of those. Well, it was nice to know you Andre. Take care. (laughs) And when I shared those things, believe it or not, gentlemen, she drew closer to me. Now this ain't no scallywag. This is a woman with a master's degree,
2: Mm.
3: a three bedroom house, uh, teacher for 20 years, Mm. started very early. And that's why she's been a teacher for this long. She started in her teenage years with a degree. Mm
2: -hmm.
3: And so, um, you know, she's no scallywag. She's no throw around. (laughs) Okay. Got an old acre of property in Harvest, Alabama. And her ex-husband just so happened to walk away from her relationship that she had with him. Due to much, very the same things that caused me to lose my first wife.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: But it's interesting mm-hmm. how God redeems you.
1: Absolutely, mm-hmm.
3: and He sees when you're ready to do something better with your life. He starts putting pieces in your life to elevate and enhance your life. When nobody wanted me, not even the dog on the street wanted me. <laughs> mm-hmm. When 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 nobody wanted me, ministries and minister friends. Wouldn't pick up the phone and call me or send messages back to me. Hmm. When family members cut me off, God sent me my ram in the bush, and her name is Chanel. Mm. Chanel. Come on. And a uh, man, I I can only tell you, I can only I can't even begin to tell you how her presence in my life has restored me hmm. back to life. If you will follow me now on Facebook you may not have an hour in a day where I'm not posting something. Right. Why? Because I have something to say. Mm -hmm. I have something to share. I've come from the rough side of the mountain and I've seen how God has blessed me and brought me from where I used to be. Mm -hmm. And and I'm I'm grateful for it. I, I, I can't stop praising him. I can't stop talking about him. There's nothing but material to share and nothing but inspiration uh, to give concerning where he's brought me, what he's done for me, and where I am in my life and where I'm going. In fact, I'm going to share this. You guys have heard of the hip-hop preacher Eric Thomas. Right. Mm -hmm. Check this out. My wife's ex-husband brought Eric Thomas into the faith. Really? Mm. Best friends grew up together in Detroit. Best friends. Wow. Best friends. My, and my wife's ex-husband baptized Eric Thomas into the faith. Mm. And in fact, the rumor goes that he took his style from my wife's ex-husband. Now, I don't know how true that is. <laughs>
2: right.
3: I don't know how true that is. If you mentor him, yeah. I can now, check yeah. this out. My ex-wife used to watch Eric Thomas on TV all the time. <laughs> and I remember looking at this brother and thinking, man, this brother's got a gift. But because of my addictions and things that I was doing, I was never really focused really on what he was had going on.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: Imagine then that I would now be living in a town in Alabama called Harvest, Alabama. <laughs> I just talked to y'all about seeds and planting right. seeds yep. and putting seeds in the earth. And not only that, my wife being connected because Eric Thomas is our son, my stepson, um, what what do you call it? Uh, Godfather uh, somebody, I mean, I don't you know, know, godparent. Godparent, thank yeah, you. Yeah. Mm. He is their godparent, and they know the family very well. Mm. And if you've noticed his ministry, this brother has blown up. Yeah, right. big oh, yeah. time. Yeah, I follow him. He has blown up. Big time. And because of his determination and his drive. And he's not endorsed by the Adventist church per se. He's not traveling through the Adventist churches, preaching in their synagogues and in their in their temples, if you will. Mm-hmm. But the Lord has given him his own platform.
2: right? Due
3: to his story, his willingness to share where he's come from, and his passion and drive. And God put me in a family with a wife. Who is directly connected to this guy? Hmm. Would you imagine that? Yeah, are that, uh, just so many variables, man. I could go on. Go ahead, go I, ahead, guys. I was gonna say um,
1: close us out with the dream because that's that's where it sounds like you're headed. The the dream has resurrected, and you're on that path to have that fulfilled. And you know, usually if you get some. Large dream from God like that. It's not like a one shot deal where you're just going to yeah. be once in a stadium or once in front of people. Mm-hmm. Um, you're you're actually on your life path. So close us out with that. Close us out with where you at on your dream. Um, you know, how do you see yourself walking in that dream?
3: Brother JB and brother Terrence, God has been good. I appreciate you guys for having me on your podcast and inviting me. I pray that the Lord would bless what you guys are doing. I pray that your testimony would always be faithfulness, that your wives, your children, people in your lives would say that these brothers are real brothers. They're transparent brothers, Mm. that the work that these brothers have done has been blessing me personally. I hope that people can say that. Mm -hmm. And again, I thank y'all for the opportunity. Where am I at in this dream? You know, man, I've told y'all already the last 45 minutes that God has done great things in my life. Mm -hmm. I've begun to understand that the African people that were in the dream that I was trying to chase represent those in ministry who I hoped would have picked me up and embraced me and helped me. Mm -hmm. But instead, they're running off into danger themselves Mm -hmm. and don't see it. Mm -hmm. Here I am trying to chase them on this little uh, uh, paddle boat. And God says, no, sir, you're not going that direction.
2: Mm.
3: I've got something else for you over here, this double wide trailer. Mm. And when I walk into that double wide trailer, I'm on the pulpit in the RCA Dome Stadium, delivering a message to thousands. I've begun to believe that the thousands have begun with Facebook, TikTok, and I just started a new YouTube page about a month ago. That's where it begins. Mm. But we know the story don't end there. That's right. I know that with all my heart. All God has ever waited on was me.
2: Mm.
3: Uh, th- that's all he ever was waiting for. That's right. For me to get myself together. Because the gift and the and, and, and the anointing and the drive and the passion were always in me. He said, I formed you from your mother's womb. And I'm saying this now to the young person under the sound of my voice. Perhaps has been told like I was That you're fat, that you're ugly That you'll never be nothing You're an addict, you're just like your daddy <laughs> You ain't gonna never accumulate to For that person, know that God has already put gifts in you From before you committed Your first sin Wow! <laughs> and that the devil wants to Exploit those gifts For his service But let me tell you, when God puts Something in you, he is Not going to leave you alone until you return those gifts back unto him. Mm. I'm seeing the dream being fulfilled. It's, it, 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 it's a slow process. Mm-hmm. It's been 21 years since the dream, but again, it, it's been me getting in the way mm. and then and, and since I've gotten out of the way and begun to stay out of the way, doors have opened. You guys mm. have called <laughs> others have asked me to come and share. I've spoken in a few churches, not many,
2: mm-hmm.
3: here lately, but I'm beginning to see the dream open up. And can and I again, interject something real quick, I mess, brother? Let yeah, me yeah. Throw something Go at you ahead, real quick. Please.
1: Your ministry is not going to be to the church. Oh, no. Can I say that? Praise God. No.
2: no Praise it, God. <laughs> I mean,
1: let's let's just, Christ didn't just die for a group of people that come and meet every week, mm. right? That's right. And, and and a football stadium full of people ain't going to be a football full of stadium full of Christians. Exactly. That's right. He died for the unreachable. Mm. And there's a platform. Part of it is social media. Part of it is this, what I call, God's reset. Mm-hmm. He pushed his own button, and he's not playing this church game no more. People can go and you know. But matter of fact, we have a we have a podcast called uh, "Is the Church Necessary." <laughs> go check it out, man. Go check it out. I will. <laughs> it's, it, it, it ain't yes. what you think, but it but it's 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 our view of why things are the way they are mm-hmm. and the move that God is making. Because you you still in your thirties? Thirty nine. Okay. Wow. There we go. There we go, Terrence J. The younger group is thinking outside the box. So I'm not saying he's not going to use you in church circles, but there's seven and a half billion people in this world that need hope. That's right. And there's only a fraction of them that actually know about the hope, right? So I don't mean to cut you off, man, but I just wanted to get out there. No, no. Man,
0: Man... I, I want to add this because I, I see this is so deep. It ain't funny. So the dream RCA, Indianapolis, right? Yeah. Where are we reporting yeah. live from right now? <laughs> Indianapolis. So, so so, the ministry, what the, no, I'm saying like, so the ministry has to have a kickstart somewhere. And I think this was yeah. like a divine appointment because this is why I, you know, me my, my car went off the side of the road. We're going to put them pictures <laughs> up. Right. This is why the equipment was equipment was almost destroyed this morning. It had to start here. That's what I believe. Your voice had to start here to reach many of our listeners. We got listeners in Jamaica. We have listeners in Germany. We have listeners in Ethiopia. We have listeners in Australia. We have listeners the off, in the Philippines, all over the globe. And you're not just reaching... Uh, United States. Your, your, your testimony is going all over this world. So we just thank Pretty you, problem. brother. And you will always have a a, a voice here. Anytime you want to come on and promote, anytime you want to come on and, 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 and tell us a new testimony or even the same one. You have it.
1: <laughs> you have it, yeah. my brother. There's so many tentacles that we could have got off on, man. Just <laughs> We could have. Brother, we, we, you are coming back. So just, just keep your keep our number in your phone. But but I want to
0: ask this question uh before we go if you don't mind. Um we get into our well we, we we we're over time, but how can we break the curse, Andre? How can we break this curse? This generational curse that you we know,
3: see. You know, um I'm sorry. How can we break the curse?
0: Yes, yes, yeah, how can we break the curse? Yep.
3: You know, that is an appropriate question and that's what uh someone perhaps needs to know. Actually, that's what they need to know. How do we break the curse of sin in our lives? First of all, it starts with an S word. Surrender. Hmm. Surrender. Surrendering what? Surrendering your will and your right to do you. Now, God is going to give you a chain long enough for you to do you to where while doing you, you buck up, crash up, mess up, get frustrated, where you turn up and say, man, I'm tired of this. And then once you have gone through that, you begin to want to surrender to something else outside of your own will. Mm. And then when we surrender, we surrender as we are, sinful, dirty, wretched, addicted, mentally off, emotionally off, We come to God with all these issues and say, Lord, here it is. You are the potter. I am the clay, and I'm tired of doing things my way. I'm (laughs) surrendering to you, God. Lord, all the drugs and the sex, it didn't put me in a better position. All of the the things that I desired, all the self-righteousness and the greed and the selfishness, none of it has done me any good. Mm. I admit that, Lord. I'm surrendering now to you and and, and to surrender to Christ is not some fanciful waving of the wand. Mm -hmm. You're surrendering to something. You're surrendering to the God of heaven and earth. And you're also surrendering and submitting to his love and his care for you. Mm -hmm. And so with that surrender, there must be now, a filling of one's mind of his word. Now this all doesn't start in one day or accomplished in one day, because what goes in is going to have to come out.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: If you're thirsty and you got one cup in your kitchen and it's filled with Kool-Aid, but you want water, you got to pour that Kool-Aid out that cup before you can fill it with, with water. <laughs> and we are filled with things in our lives right now. That's just the truth. You right now who are listening is filled with pornography. You right now who are listening is filled with cigarette and tobacco, marijuana smoke. You're filled with lust. You're filled with sex outside of marriage. You're filled with cheating on your wife or or cheating on your husband. You're filled with depression. You're filled with hate of yourself because people told you you'd never be anything. Mm. That's okay. Come to God as you are, just like you are. And say, Lord, I need you to pour me out of me, empty me like the seed, break me mm-hmm. so I can sprout. But again, the seed is not done once it bursts through itself. That's just phase one. Now you've got to burst through the earth. And mm-hmm. bursting through the earth is dealing with your surroundings. Mm-hmm. We've got to deal with the surroundings of our lives, our abuse that we have faced at the hands of our parents, the abuse that we faced by hands of guardians the abuse we put ourselves under. Mm. We've got to deal with those things. That's the surrounding. And you deal with that by coming to Christ and laying it all out Mm. and saying, God, here I am. I surrender. Everything that I've been trying to do has not worked. Everything that I've been filling my life with has not worked. I've failed. I've made mistakes. But here I am. And I'm asking that you make me knew. David prayed a prayer right after he killed Uriah, stole his wife, and got home girl pregnant. Yeah, real story. David, a man mm-hmm. after God's own That's heart right. did that. And you know, we read out of his Bible, Bible, books in the Bible every day, every weekend from our church pulpits, but many of us think that we can't forgive folk who made wrongs. Mm-hmm. We read out of a Bible every day written by sinful men. Mm-hmm. David prayed and said, Uh, search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts. He also said, create in me a clean heart, O God, Mm -hmm. and renew a right spirit within me. Why are those two prayers important? Mm -hmm. He said, search me, O God. I don't know myself as a sinner. Mm -hmm. I don't know exactly what it is that I am capable of, although I know I can do some stupid stuff. I can't even see fully because sin has blinded me. So search me, O God. Know what's in me. Try me. And by trying me, I'm saying expose what is in me. Mm. Then when he says, um, created me a clean heart, that prayer is so important because now you realize when he, after he has exposed what's in you, that what I've got is wrong, filthy, dark, selfish, and ugly. Mm -hmm. And I can't make it with you with it. So give me a new heart. Give me a new heart. And he's not talking about the heart that beats blood. right? New emotions, new Mm -hmm. feelings, a new mind, a new way of thinking. Because the way that I've been thinking, Lord, has been the reason why I am in the mess I'm in. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Those, I believe, are the steps. Search me, O oh God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts. Create in me a clean heart, O oh God, and renew a right spirit within me. Lord, I'm waving the white flag of surrender. <laughs> I'm coming to you. I'm giving you everything that, 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 that I would not, and I refuse to give you, which is my heart, my emotions. Let me say this real quickly. Mm-hmm. Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5-6 says, Trust in the Lord with all thine heart and lean not unto thy own understanding. How do we make decisions with our feelings? Mm -hmm. I don't feel like going to church, so I don't go. I don't feel like being a good person. I feel like lusting, So let me go to the porn site. I feel like smoking. I feel like cussing out my wife. Mm -hmm. And that's how we make our decisions. Mm -hmm. So we are told in Proverbs, trust in the Lord with all your feelings, Mm -hmm. and lean not unto your own feelings. That's the answer to this life. Trust in God with what it is that you're feeling. Don't take any consideration to what it is that you feel when you know that what you're feeling is wrong. You take that to Christ and say, give me your mind. Help me father God to think and feel like you think and feel. And we do that by faith, not by feelings, feelings are going to change. Like that, I mean, in, in, in a moment's notice, one minute you may feel like, and then the next minute you may not. And mm-hmm. if you base your life with Christ on that, brothers and sisters, we know good and well that our experience will be like the waves of the ocean, up and down, up and down. Mm-hmm. When my feelings start to shift and change, I pray, Lord, it's time to pray. Lord, r- remind me what you said. In your word, that's right, and not to pay attention to what I feel. Those are the answers I believe, brother Terrence and brother JB, to that end, to that question. Mm.
1: That's probably the most powerful answer we've had on break the curse. <laughs> we're ready to take an offer now, brother. Right, praise <laughs> the Lord. <laughs> well, we're gonna let praise you get out here, man. Um,
3: where can people find you online? Man, um, I'm going to send you guys this information. I know you're going to probably edit this into your your deal because Facebook, Andre, I Battle Daily Battles. I'm going to send this all to you guys, and I'm okay. sure you can flash this across the screen. That's Andre, A-N-D-R-A-E, space, I Battle Daily, one word. I-B-A-T-T-L-E-D-A-I-L-Y. Face daily, D A I L Y. I the Andre I battle daily battles. That's Facebook, mm-hmm. YouTube. I have a new page up. Battles, boy, broken but whole. And let me just confirm that because I just <laughs> created it. And sometimes I don't remember even myself. Mm-hmm. Um, I know that I, my, my wife keeps telling me make a name. I'm gonna remember? And I'm just like, babe, I'm sorry. Battles, boy. Broken but whole no spaces. Okay. Battle's boy broken but whole. B-A-T-T-L-E-S B O Y B-R-O-K-E-N B-U-T W-H-O-L-E. And again, I'm gonna send this information to you guys okay. so that you can have some visual prompt. And that's the two main places. I am on TikTok now. Most of the younger people that are there, but it, and if you are, and it, it, if you're not so young and you're seasoned but want to follow on TikTok, I battle daily, right? Straight up, you just type I, I battle daily and you'll find me on TikTok. And right now, those are the three main places I'm doing the work of the Lord. Wow, okay,
1: you heard it here, folks. This is how you break the curse. Mm-hmm. and, we want this story to go far and wide. Andre Battles has been through a lot, but a lot of you or maybe somebody you know has also uh, also needs to hear how to get out of it and needs to hear this testimony and needs to hear that they can have hope and that their lives can be changed and turned around. Mm-hmm. We're, we're not sitting here, uh, you know, I mean, we, we did get into some preaching. I kind of mm-hmm. like that. <laughs> <laughs> we're not telling you what to do. right? We're pointing you to the path.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, and you make your own choice based on that. So we're gonna we're gonna let you go, brother. Appreciate everything that you've done, man, pleasure. and yeah. look forward to having us to come back on here. All right. Yeah, thank you, brother. Appreciate it, Sounds man. Good. Appreciate
3: it. You guys are welcome, May God be praised, brother Terrence, brother JB. Y'all be blessed, man. Yes. Okay.
0: It, it was worth me uh, driving side of the road, brother. <laughs> That's it's worth right. it.
3: <laughs> <laughs> all May right. God well, be praised. Okay. We'll talk to you later. Okay,
1: now. All right. All right. Bye. All right. Bye. Well, Terrence J., uh, very powerful. This is one of our most powerful podcasts. So yeah. uh, we want to remind people to find us on on our website, generationalcurse.net. Mm-hmm. And you can catch me at John Barnett at generationalcurse.net.
0: And you can catch me at Terrence J. at generationalcurse.net.
1: And generational Curse 6 g on Instagram. Mm-hmm. I can't even remember our YouTube channel. It's a this generational one. curse podcast. That's what it is. Generational curse podcast. Yeah. And we will soon be throwing stuff up on TikTok. So we're going to close out. This is John Barnett. And this is Terrence J. Appreciate your patience. We'll talk to you later.
0: And it's apparent y'all left something in the no water. Can't pretend that I'm not bothered by the sins of my father's breaking. Curses breaking.